it's a great time to grow a mustache, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's hot. It's just some life aquatic with yeah. Reed Z- with Reed Zizu. You know, it's a good time. Single, at least for me, I'm single, got the mustache, wear a mask out in public, nobody sees it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's perfect. It's just for me. That was my favorite, was the big reveal. Like when yeah. people who thought they knew you <laughs> would mask, finally mask just off, be like... Literally mask off. The mask mask would come mask would come down and the mustache would come to play i found that the the more prominent of a mustache i have the more views on tiktok a video gets so it's like the bruce willis rotten tomatoes uh, hair length the more hair he has the worse the movie is it's like <laughs> die hard i think being the lone exception well i was gonna say that's it's the like it's just a tough thing for die hard because that means that one has to be the worst but that means two is better than one like you could you can make an argument for three. Like with a vengeance is great. Mm-hmm. But two is hard. Yeah. And then like four and five, he doesn't have any hair either. And he does. Yeah, maybe I, the opposite. Maybe when he does have hair, the movie's good. Cause like in fifth element, he does have some hair. Movie's good. Movie's good. Yeah. No, the, uh, I, There's a sweet spot. I ride for live free or die hard though. The one with Justin Long. I like Timothy Oliphant as a as a villain. And we're back. Welcome back to Heddle's Blowout. It's me, Heddle's managing editor David Chuck. With my lovely co-host here, Reed Nelson. Reed, how are you? I'm doing well, David. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We seem to be in sync. That's that's a good thing. Promising. And also here, the Heddles writer and uh, perpetual returning guest, Albert Mooskies. How are you, Albert? I'm doing great. You aced the last name. I appreciate it. Thinking of names that people get wrong occasionally, we got some product to talk about. We got this first one here that I am perpetually fascinated with. It's a real McCoys thing, which, you know, I feel like we've talked about real McCoys a lot, but they do some interesting graphic tees. And I feel like with the real McCoys, like a lot of Japanese brands do graphic tees, but they tend to like be self-aware. I feel like the real McCoys ones are not self-aware, which makes me love them more. And they did one about Sturgis, which like, I don't know, for people not aware of Sturgis, like, Reed, you're familiar with what Sturgis is, I would imagine. It's a big rally, big bike rally. I mean, well, it's a town, first and foremost, but it is known for, when people refer to Sturgis, they're usually referring to the rally, not the town. It's like when people are referring to Coachella, they're not referring to the valley, they're usually referring to the event. Best way I can uh, describe it. So, uh, biker Coachella is what I'm hearing. That's not far off, no. But it's so much more than that. They're like, Albert, you, you're, you're less familiar with what Sturgis is. No, yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard of it before. Okay. I went to it once uh, that I, I, I was driving back from New York, and I just like, wanted to take the scenic route and see the Black Hills. Then like, I, I, I was, went through Sturgis like a day after it ended. And Sturgis is a town of like maybe 5,000 people, but 400,000 bikers attend it like for this week at the uh, like end of August 
or maybe it's in like the middle of August that like it, it's, I don't know. It, it's like um, doing the Hodge. If you're a biker going to Sturgis, um, That's a good one of way. my friends re- referred to it as like, yeah, like maybe Mecca for like uh, politically incorrect uncles. <laughs> Who would also and, use Mecca in that way? Like they would I completely suppose, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, like uh, it was, I guess, most notorious this last year as being probably the biggest super spreader event in oh. the country that like they, they did all this like um, epidemiology and found it seeded like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of cases throughout the, the, the Midwest. And uh, yeah, the guy that did uh, all gas, no breaks was there and he made a, a really great video. This but, is ringing the bell now. Yeah. Yeah. The, all gas, no breaks, Andrew. We, we all, we all know him. We all love him. We all miss him. But, we all uh, miss him dearly. They did the Sturgis tea. We all miss him dearly. It was, it was a great piece from your your uh, your friend Taylor. On yeah, him. you know. Um, but yeah, they have a, a this T shirt that has like the uh, Mount Rushmore in the background with these like easy rider looking bikers, and it says Sturgis, South Dakota, and. Uh, yeah, like quality rolls and races like on the sleeve. And the it seems like the person that wrote the copy for this at, at Lost and Found is about as unfamiliar with what Sturgis is as or even more unfamiliar with it than you were, Albert. The the copy here is has a t-shirt ever spoken to you? Well, this one did for us. Mount Rushmore and motorcycles. I have no idea what the connection is, but hot damn, is this a great print, and that's really all you need to know. <laughs> Unless someone comes up to you and says, what's this print all about? And you respond, motorcycles in Mount Rushmore, my man. Throw them the hang loose and you'll be walk off, you'll be walk off smiling. <laughs> uh, brackets, S-I-C. <laughs> well, if I learned anything from my article on biker cuts, you don't want to appropriate certain kinds of biker imagery without knowing exactly what it is. Um, I don't know yeah. if this t-shirt would incite any violence necessarily, but good to steer clear if you don't know exactly what something is. They might give you COVID. They <laughs> might give you COVID. <laughs> but yeah, like this is a thing that was fascinating to me because it seemed like, you know, Sturgis is something that I grew up like hearing and knowing about and like was a thing in my life because I, I grew up in Colorado, which is not too far away from South Dakota. But yeah, I, I was fascinated by this. So I looked up all the other stockists that carried this t-shirt um, to see if they had any understanding of it. And the only other place I could find it at was at End, which is British because like Lost and Found is based in Canada, in Toronto. Mm. And End is based in the UK. Um, and yeah, their description... It's like US, US retailers avoided it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Standard and Strange, I think, is the only US retailer. Of real McCoys, do you know anyone else that stocks them? I feel like this is going to bite me saying that, but yeah, I don't know anyone else. The 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 end copy I particularly like because it's more like the um, you know Libya is a land of of contrasts and like <laughs> type of thing of like just writing copy without saying anything. The 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 end copy is the real McCoys designs are often heavily inspired by Americana, and it couldn't be any clearer with this long sleeve tee. <laughs> it's made in the label's home country using pure cotton and features bold motorcycling inspired prints throughout 
from the colorful one at the front to the eagle one at the back. This was either this was either written by someone in their first month or their tenth year, and there's no middle ground. <laughs> like, like it, it's it's perfect in that way. I feel like we overlooked the Ben Affleck back tattoo that they graft onto this thing. <laughs> Just Phoenix from the ashes. It's it's big and uh, yeah. What does the side say? The arm. Sturgis rally and races. Okay. So they did keep it on theme. If this was capital, it would have said something about Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a thing that, like, I don't know. It, it, it's at this point, I often think about the, like, Japanese t-shirts that say, like, watermelon shopping cart, like, in in English. And just, like, this this feels like another level of that, of just, like, you know what the thing is, but, like, they... they they know it's a thing, but they have no idea what or why. And just like the, the level of you know telephone in trying to communicate this cultural event through a t-shirt and then through describing the t-shirt is, is very fascinating to me. Hold on. This eagle, to get back to it, is riding a motorcycle. The one that says yeah. legend, the legend lives on. Mm-hmm. But, but it appears to be an anthropomorphic e- like or like a centaur eagle. Oh, no. There's a guy in there. Oh, no. There is a guy in there. You're right. Yeah. This is really? a layered print. Yeah, there's a guy underneath the eagle. Yeah. I thought the eagle had legs, like oh, people legs. Oh, I see that. Yeah, the, the eagle is behind the guy. It's a busy mm-hmm. print. Right. I, yeah, I think we're getting desensitized to, like, you know, when there are so many Japanese uh, prints on, on these kinds of pieces that are, you know, just Americana for the sake of Americana and are a made up thing, which I personally am a big fan of that. I think, yeah, it could totally miss somebody if it's a real actual event. Yeah. Cause like in looking through all the other like Western English language stockists of real McCoys to try to see what they saw, like thought about it. I stumbled upon the hot dog Island t-shirt, which I guess is from last season at Franz Boone. And I am so upset I did not get this t-shirt because it just says hot dog island and then it has like <laughs> three palm trees and a hot dog. <laughs> it's an incredible garment. Yeah. I, <laughs> I am so upset I don't have this t-shirt. Well, you know, you know, David, maybe hot dog island is an important cultural touchstone that you just are, you just, you know, can't even conceive of. True. It does go both ways. Yeah. This is somebody Sturgis. This is a <laughs> really yeah, important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you don't know what Hot Dog Island is. What are you guys doing over there? These coastal elites don't know about my Hot Dog Island. It uh, does bring me to uh, the the next T-shirt, which is in a similar vein. Or I don't know if it's a T-shirt. It's like a short sleeve sweat that is done by Barnes, and it is a like sweat that just says. Uh, says roll on one side, like, you know, sort of like bell helmets. It's just like roll with a uh, oval around it. And then on the back, it says diner California roll. And then in tiny, tiny print, it says mini. And this is, this is at the Hinoya store. <laughs> and I am, it, it is completely inexplicable to me, <laughs> but I want it. Yeah, that's, that's, this is really calling my name for some reason. Yeah, why do I love this? <laughs> See, I mostly want it because, like, when I go back to restaurants, I want to go to a sushi restaurant, and then they ask, like, "What do you want?" And I'll just like turn my back. 
<laughs> to the server and say like this. I might cop on on podcast. Whoa, cop on pod. Wow. Cop it on main. No, I'm not, I need I need to figure out the size conversion, but this why do I love this? See, and then they're gonna come back with a full size diner California roll, and then I'm gonna like go like no no no, I didn't want this, and then I'm gonna point to the little mini. <laughs> and go like I want it small. You, it's just too big of a California roll for me. <laughs> like, do we think it's in a reference to a specific California roll someone had at a diner? Or no answers think? are to be had here. <sighs> and the, the the brand is named Barnes, which I am not super familiar with at all. I don't know which colorway. Make. Which colorway do you guys like more? The like the the faded black or the the navy? The faded black. I'm normally a navy person, but the faded black is calling. Yeah, it is so I don't know good. if they're big enough. I would want the faded black with the like the uh, the pink like fuchsia color on the back yeah. instead of the blue. Yeah, the pink text is so good. Mini. But you're right. I like the black color better. Yeah, the sizing is confusing because like the the the, the model is wearing size medium, but this is height one seventy centimeters, fifty two kilograms. Which yeah. I- I did the conversion real fast and I was like, I think that's not my height. And it looks like this person is just completely engulfed in this thing. Like the sleeves are so big, but yeah, I, I want it. Am I an XL? Is that what's going on? And you're always an XL, no matter what the size is. I think that's true. I'm wearing an extra large t-shirt as we speak. As, a, All five as listeners would know, you were, you were not an XL, but you are an XL. <laughs> I, I believe in uh, identifying with the size you want to be, you know? Yeah. And just the Google <laughs> Translate of the, the copy here says, like, I want quality rather than efficiency. This word is the true value of Barnes. <laughs> Both V specifications, wash processing, cracked print. Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's only $75.23. This my translation might even be better. Barnes brand has their concept, which quality is more important than efficiency. Mm-hmm. That's a way to get there too. Efficiency was a tough, uh, a tough translation for, for quantity there. Yeah. I want this shirt. Thanks for exposing me to something I now need to own. Uh, uh, Reed, you got, you got something expl- inexplicably Japanese as well. Kind of. I feel like, Yes, it is, but I feel like it's now like rooted far more in American American culture. So, Avisu is back. They've been back. I shouldn't say that like oh they're back. Like that's news. They've been back, but they end picked them up. Speaking of end clothing, mm-hmm. um, and they're like really on some extra Avisu shit. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to just. It's like they took all the years that we forgot about them and had some tantric experience on the back of these pants with the avisu vibe and yeah the one with the one that's got the sort of like the iconography that one is like legit crazy the one with the embroidery yeah that's got that's like the cat and the koi and the samurai dude yeah and it's also got again inexplicably the avisu tag and like mid-80s new york street hand style graffiti at the very bottom, like sandwich or like, you know, right up against like, yeah, like traditional iconography. Yeah. So for those that didn't follow along all the way to part 13 of our denim history series, uh, Ivisu was like one of the Osaka five, one of the original Japanese repro brands that just sort of went nuts. 
Um, with Dimanesan painting the big goals, like everyone's probably seen the big goals on the back of these jeans, but this one is just like they go all the way down to like the calf. And these were really big, like what, in like the the late nineties, early two thousands. This is before like uh I was aware of any of this stuff existed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like this is when like the back of jeans were a canvas. Like you had to have crazy arcuates and like some weird some stuff happening on the back of your jeans. Yeah. The embroidered ones, like I I just imagine how uncomfortable that would be, like on the back of your knees. Like as your jeans were trying to like how this would affect the fades. Yeah, I just like everything uh, yeah. about it. Kinda... Avisu, do you think this is coming back? No, I don't. I saw somebody recently wearing Avisu's out and about. I don't remember where, but it struck me because it's not something you see every day on the street in real life. Did it seem like it was a central part of their personality? From afar? No, it seemed kind of... No, it seemed kind of like... Like I'm seeing, I'm seeing like people wearing true religions kind of as a bit, you know, and I feel like it was some, whoever was wearing it was kind of doing it as a bit. It, it didn't feel like they were all in on Abisu, which would have been, which I would have been more into seeing out in the world. You know what I mean? I get that though. Cause I feel like it's a thing of, you know, how like, uh, bonobos share like 96% of their DNA with humans. I feel like, Avisu shares 96% of its DNA with true religion. But like, it's that extra 4% that like makes it, uh, makes it tolerable and somewhat desirable. Wow. What a takedown of true religion, but, uh, well said. Uh, yeah. It's like, I was looking at some of these that like, I don't know if I could ever go to the full, like goal to the back of the knee length. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at like some of the ones that just had like the paint on the back pockets, and I was like, "Oh, that could be kind of cool. I could maybe go for that." Yeah, there was like those painted uh, Margiela Converse that were really sick. Do you remember those? Yeah, it's kind of like a. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it would be a little far afield for my personal taste, but I can, I can get into that one. Yeah, the, the little bit of paint on the back, in theory. Because mm-hmm. we're approaching like the twenty-year rule of when things come back again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like Avisu is approaching that and then being at end makes me feel like, Hmm, maybe this is, is what we're in for next. Yeah. People are going to be coming out all guns blazing, you know, with, with their, uh, with their arcuates in this, in the coming days and weeks. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that will be worn this summer, we will be back in just a quick, uh, bit after a little break here to talk about summer footwear and sandals. So stick around. Attention blowout listeners, stop by the Heddle shop for a wide assortment of sweaters, knits, and Teamster tees available in the newest colors and styles. Our denim tops and jeans for men's and boys are made in USA and are available in a rainbow of colors at a low Heddle's price. Visit shop.heddles.com and use the code BLOWOUT for a special listener discount. We are back! And we're talking about sandals and sneakers and moccasins and loafers and all other things of summer footwear. Because it's, it's getting a little bit warmer. 
And uh, I am happy to say that I have broken out my Horaches uh, at least I think it's three times so far this season. I, I'm, I'm very happy to not wear socks anymore for the, the foreseeable next four months. What, what are y'all doing? Is, is the weather been cooperative? I mean, I guess you're in LA, Albert, so it is always cooperative and always conducive. It, yeah, it is. I just feel like I, I've had a personal kind of, I think that like a lot of us, we, I came in from, to, to, my footwear renaissance happened to be pretty boot heavy, you know, like learning about workwear and everything. So it's been a very slow transition over to more comfortable things like sandals. So I have, I have, Birkins, I, I had Birkenstock Bostons and at the Rose Bowl flea market, I got the Yucatan Bostonians, which I love. And I also got Yucatan Huaraches on a Vibram sole. And I've never worn Huaraches before. And these are a pain to break in, but I'm sure they'll be worth it once I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Huaraches, I got like from this dude who was setting up a Huarache brand like in Mexico. And they were like veg tanned, like uh, raw leather. And wow. I bled. I bled the first time I wore them. And I had to like rub them all down with like Neat's foot oil and sand them a little bit. I got like a rash. <laughs> and now they're great. I can wear them all day and it's fine. But like that was definitely the most, Huaraches <laughs> were the most painful break in process I have ever had on a piece of footwear. You're the only person I know that would sand their footwear to wear <laughs> like most people would just that i know would just be like yo i bought these shoes they made my feet feel like they were in a guillotine so i got rid of them and you're like no i will make these work no the, the, it, it has to break before i break i can regrow it can't <laughs> that was the thing is it had this like fringe work because it was just like thick thick leather the leather was like mm-hmm. maybe two or three millimeters thick and it had this like little snips for decoration like around where the heel was and mm. the the ankle and that just like it was like a saw on the the back wow. of my, like Achilles and I was just like no no you're not doing this to me I'm I'm going to make this work but I love them now yeah it's a dope sales pitch I feel yeah. like we should they should use this for their marketing campaign you you haze yourself into Araches I I I yeah I got some nasty blisters for my first full day wearing them around because i feel like in la wearing sandals you're rarely putting miles in them i like walk to my car and then i walk through the grocery store and it was a it was a day where i was actually walking around running errands and yeah i I messed my feet up i i just like had to yeah it's been made running kind of a pain yep yeah that, that was my experience too when i first got them i was so excited like I walked from my apartment, this is when I was in Brooklyn, to BAM to watch a movie. And like the blisters formed on the way there and they just like marinated while I was in the movie. And then I was like, oh no, I know I have to walk back. And I I thought about getting a cab for a brief moment because it was like maybe three quarters of a mile. And I was like, no, you can do this. And I I really should have gotten the cab. But um, in addition to those Hirachis, I usually break out my Vans. I always have like a pair of Eras going Mm -hmm. and I usually, you know, it takes me like a good five to six years before I bust through the toe and I have to buy another pair. I'm on like (laughs) maybe year three of my current pair. And I've got some Rancourt Camp Mocks that are just like, you know, being uh, 
slip on easily going out of the house. But it's like uh, the paraboot Michaels I wear in the winter and then the Rancourt camp mocks I wear in the summer. Of just like slip them on and go anywhere. I'm curious where we stand now with that silhouette, with the, uh, you know, what, what I associate with topsiders first and foremost. Um, because in high school here in LA, I discovered topsiders at some point and I loved them and I wore them religiously for the last two years of high school. And then when I got to college on the East Coast, there was this really kind, there's this really negative association with that shoe. Like it was kind of really, it was thought of as like being fratty, kind of tied in with that stuff. Yeah, human bow tie. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, I feel like I'm seeing a resurgence of that silhouette from cool brands like Rancourt, like Yucatan. And I'm just wondering if, if are, are they back? Is this like something I can rock or, or what are we, what are we thinking? I've had a pair of quaddies for a while. Like they're a really weird cover. They're probably like, like an off white uh, suede from back in the you, you, uh, uni made sale days. Um, uh-huh. Quaddy had like a three eyelet. I think the third eyelet always made it feel more like a shoe than a true like Sperry topsider boat shoe mm-hmm. to me. But yeah, I mean, I think so Supreme did their the Timberland lug like two years in a row, I think now. Mm-hmm. That like which is kind of boat shoeish. I think Ame or Noah both have done them. I've seen the ones that you were discussing. I think they're, I think they're back, but like don't do them with salmon pants because then you're just. That's like when Zuckerberg said he wanted to disrupt the world, and then Oprah did an IPO on the stock exchange. You know, it's <laughs> like you kind of just took it right back to where it started. Um, yeah, but like I think it's open, but I think it's like sort of like anything with these like long tail comebacks. It's like it is about about deployment like how are you going to wear mm. the thing because yeah like cuz i've been seeing like tennis sweaters which i've got a couple of and i absolutely love yeah. coming back and it's like you can also very much look like you have like a fifth next to your name and and you have you know 40 million dollar trust fund coming to you at age 28 uh-huh. if you're if you you're not careful but i think that there's like also a super cool way to wear those things too so that's that would be my answer on the on the boat shoe sort of mock style that's not a mock yeah okay i would say like the 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 important factors on like trying to do a boat shoe-esque thing are the number of eyelets and the sole because the ones i have like you mentioned reed like the the rancorts are like more like a blucher mock they're four eyelets and they've got Mm -hmm. a flat sole uh that instead of the ones like the the sperry's they've got like a slight keel on them and I feel like that that silhouette just sticks out so much more than one that is a bit more like rustic and woodsy looking rather than something nautical. Reed, you got more than than blucher mocks. Oh, I have so much. Some that's like uh, it's it's my time to shine. It's summer footwear. Yeah. Uh, I own one pair of boots. I, I own one pair of boots and then like a pair of ACG hiking shoes that I wear a lot in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. But uh. Yeah, other than that, I just wear seasonally inappropriate footwear all winter long. And then that that inappropriate footwear becomes appropriate. Like I wore my Boston's all winter long, which some people would tell you is okay to do. And I'm one of those people, but I wore a hole in in the heel on both of them in the fall. So my feet were just wet. Most of the wintertime, I broke out the 2020 Boston's, the one I got like last summer, because I didn't want to mess them up in the wintertime. That seemed like self-sabotage. I didn't want to engage in that. 
Um, yeah, so I've got Boston's that I wear. Those are my everydays. I've got Zonas for when I want to wear socks. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it, it just works. Um, then as far as sandals go, I've got two different pairs of Suikokes. Um, for those unfamiliar, they're a Japanese sandal brand with a very thick sole. Haters will say they're Christo knockoffs. Um, they kind of are. <laughs> I, I liked them because they look like the Chris, the Visvim Christo, but were like a third of the price. Which um, came first? I genuinely don't know. That's why I said like some will say because I I don't actually know. Uh, like the sweet cokes are the ones that's like a. Uh, it looks like a sling, like a, it's like a slide, but like with the buckles on it. Kind of, they have a whole bunch of different ones. Like they look like what you would be issued if you checked into a nursing home on the moon. Um, <laughs> yeah, they look like, like they, a flotation device for your. They feet. really, they really do. Every family member that has seen them has, they like that is now my defining trait to them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, they they've got like this like weird bulb on the heel that you press down over time. It's a Vibram sole. Like all the materials are really nice, so it's not like it's a value Cristo. It's just the Cristo is literally three times as expensive. Um, but yeah, I have two different pairs. I have like the Moto V and then in navy blue and then the North Store collab from like six years ago, probably now. It's got to be six years ago that were like all beige and those things are awesome. Um, yeah, it's a good way to get people to like make fun of you in public. Strangers is to wear those, but I like, I, I cannot ride for them hard enough. Um, I almost bought the Tiva looking ones a couple years ago and then I was like I should just get Tevas and then I didn't get Tevas almost got Chacos I like the Teva looking ones I hadn't seen those before I see the uh, the the poof uh, the bulkier ones in LA with 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 frequency I see them all the time oh wow so they've actually kind of popped that's a little concerning for my whole thing um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I should have known though, because it's like it's like a weird Russian nesting doll of like ripoffs in the sense, like because I don't know actually, like you were saying, Dave, which came first, Visvim or Suikoke, but one of them was inspired by the other, mm-hmm. and both of them were inspired by like the Adelette and the Banasi, and then, but then like even further, North Face this year just made a Suikoke, like just straight up made the Suikoke shoe, um, except it has a single strap that's like in the middle and it's skinnier, but it's the same exact shoe. And I've been getting advertised for it on Instagram mercilessly. Thinking of Christos, I've always like been attracted to the Christo Shaman, which is just like the most ridiculous and unnecessary like thing, even for Visvim. It's like a thousand dollar pair of sandals. Oh, I've got a I've got a friend with them. They are they are for sure a thousand dollar pair of sandals. They look like it too. The other other summer footwear though, I got some loafers. I got some from this Japanese brand called either old man or Oldman. Oldman. Like so Gary. a recent acquisition. I think we we've heard the, like this is the third act, uh, act in the arc of. Okay. Uh, so, so we've Oldman. worn, we've, we've now worn them. Okay. So how, that's how good. They need to be broken in. They're good though. They're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I would I'd recommend purchasing from CHCM because I think that's the only place you can find them in the U S and they are mm-hmm. half off. Um, I see that. Yeah. They're great. They're so good. I love them. Um, and then I'm like, I'm kind of undecided on the molded rubber footwear. Like, and that's like a big category that encompasses like the hydro mock, the croc, the Birkenstock, mm-hmm. which is the Birkenstock made of that PVC stuff. 
Mm. This not has nothing to do with Crocs. They will get everyone gets mad at you when you do that. Crocs, Birkenstocks. I've known from experience. Um, yeah, I haven't. Like, I, I they seem like they're super functional. I just haven't gotten in. Yeah, I I don't have Crocs. I've seen people wear Crocs well. Well, hopefully the weather will hold, and we will be able to wear them all very shortly or continuously for the next forever while we spend more time outside in this coming summer that will hopefully be better than the uh, nightmare that was the last year. Um, anything to plug? Anything else you guys want to talk about? Not after that. <laughs> you know, you got you to gotta put a button on it. In this case, Stay it was a, a nail. Stay up, Pete. No, uh, <laughs> there's some good, there's some really good stuff though. I will say that's coming out. Like I'll be right. I'm writing about it. It'll go up soon, but the corridor spring summer collection is stupid. Good. Like I was not, I was not ready for that, but those crochet cardigans are absolutely incredible. So I just want to shout those mm-hmm. out. Maybe we'll get into them next week, but yeah, there's some, there's some really good yeah. stuff. Like we, we got those on the, the heddle shops soon. And also we sell flip-flops, Waltzing Matilda ones. They're great, made of Chrome XL and leftover Birkenstock soles. They're only 80 bucks, but less if you use the code blowout and even less if you're a Heddles Plus member. And we also sell loafers that are coming in shortly from Grant Stone. Run it up. All right. And we will be right back with an update from a older story that we covered a while back on a sexual abuse scandal at a Buffalo Exchange franchise in Colorado. Catch that after the break. We live in a fast-paced world. Sometimes, you just need to slow down and stop. Heddles Plus, the noon membership program of exclusive content, giveaways, discounts, and a community chat forum. Try a month free with the code EXTRABLOWOUT. Okay, and we're back. And we are revisiting an older story that we talked about a couple months ago uh, with you, Albert. And that's the case of uh, Todd Coletti and you know rampant sexual abuse and assault happening at the Colorado locations of Buffalo Exchange, the, the thrift store. Um, that uh, if you could just do a little bit of a recap here, because there's been some new information that just developed there about, you know, for people that might not be familiar with the story of what was going on there. Over the summer, um, we learned that through this Instagram called um, Buffalo in the Room, that um, the Colorado franchise of Buffalo Exchange, the famous vintage chain, um, had been the site of a lot of sexual uh, misconduct and bullying and a lot of unpleasantness, all of which came from one man, one of the part owners in the franchise, whose name was uh, Todd Coletti. His full name is Patrick Todd Coletti, which I learned in the uh, the course of the press interview or relearned. Um, And he was one of several owners of the store. The others were silent partners and were kind of behind the scenes. And he just was a pretty vile person um, from what we were, you know, at the time, allegedly from the information that we were able to, to gather. Um, He plied uh, a lot of young, typically underage uh, employees with alcohol, with drugs, um, often put them in compromising positions. 
um, was really manipulative and cruel uh, on the sh- it, it didn't really matter if it was in the store or after hours. Mm. He, um, so it was just a lot of, it was a lot of really awful accusations that came out. Mm. And all this came out covered, last summer. Uh, correct. Yeah. And then uh, we covered it. And then I believe in December, um, the, the district attorney in, um, in Denver, it was in Denver. Yeah. District attorney in Denver. Yeah, that's exactly right. Came back saying that they couldn't prosecute this as a criminal case because they didn't have enough evidence, not to say that he was cleared, but simply that they couldn't get enough people together allegedly to, to speak on it. And, you know, there are a lot of reasons why, as we know, a lot of reasons why victims of or survivors of assault don't go to the police. Um, but uh, it was discouraging because it seemed like for a time he might escape without any, you know, uh, consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so over the weekend, we received some emails um, from um, uh, a group representing several survivors of Todd Coletti. And we learned that they are filing a class action suit um, against Todd Coletti. Um, there are four people involved one person has um has passed her her case passed the uh, the the statute of limitations mm-hmm. so um she cannot be a part of it but there were three survivors that spoke at the press conference and then an attorney who spoke at the press conference and um what became abundantly clear was just how involved um, Buffalo Exchange Corporate, who has this whole time done a lot of virtue signaling to say that they're, you know, they support the victims, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. This, you know, this investigation done by the 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 attorney and and the people supporting the survivors found a lot of incriminating evidence that Buffalo Exchange had always sided with Todd Coletti, had never taken any of these stories to heart, and had definitely been privy to a lot of this information. So the class action suit not only goes after Todd Coletti. It goes after Buffalo Exchange Corporate, and it goes after any corporations affiliated with the other partners that to all that seemingly would have had some knowledge of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and important to note here that like all, pretty much all of the workaday employees at these locations were financially harmed by all this because the uh, Buffalo Exchange severed all ties and they closed all the locations. So everyone that was involved in this many of which were subjects of Todd's abuse, all lost their jobs. Um, yeah. I guess that's the uh, thing in the um, United States legal system. If the, uh, the criminal and civil are very different, so the criminal case did not develop here, but the civil one might, you know, I guess hearkening uh, back to OJ, um, how mm-hmm. he was acquitted of murder, but was then found guilty in the civil case is financially liable. So that's what these yeah. um, these four uh, people are uh, trying to uh, you know hold both of them financially culpable for the the damages that they uh, they claim that they experienced. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the da- the extent of the damages would be, um, but I, I guess by by establishing a class in the suit, you know, the by establishing that there's a group of people, all of whom experience kind of similar. Um, you know, uh, abuse uh, at the hands of these organizations and people um, that I think that 
all the, the, if they can establish that class of people, presumably all employees, that they would be able to receive some kind of recompense. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it was just very powerful to hear. I, it was very moving to hear the victim's stories. Um, it, it's, it's, I, I think that for people on the outside, it might seem just logical that people would eventually come forward, but it's so, it's such a huge shift from where it was because there's really a culture of fear surrounding this still. And um, I think a lot of people were much too afraid to speak publicly about um, what they experienced for good reason. Um, but to see these four survivors, all of whom are, are women, uh, come forward was super moving um, and just required so much bravery. Um, you know, I think it's, yeah, when we're on the outside of these issues, it's hard to kind of imagine the, uh, how, um, mm, the how trapped the, one might feel. Yeah. yeah, the scope. And what I learned through this was that all of these people had been reporting their, their experiences and their assaults, but Buffalo Exchange Corporate every time would turn the complaint back into Todd. So anytime that anyone spoke about him, he would inevitably find out and then, and what a scary thing to have happen. Oh. Um, so, and another really uh, like a super incriminating piece of evidence is they have an email from Kirsten Block, who's the owner of Buffalo Exchange Corporate, speaking to Todd immediately after the accusations ca- came out saying, these people are making this all up. We know you would never do this. You know, we are siding with you, um, stuff like that. So they really closed ranks and they, and the attorney also had evidence of, let me see, people, Buffalo Exchange Corporate received complaints in 2012, 2013, 2016, 2018, and 2020. Oh, we reached out to Buffalo Exchange and to Todd Coletti uh, in writing your piece. And I remember, I think we got just like boilerplate from Buffalo Exchange Corporate and nothing from uh, from Todd Coletti. So, yeah, I guess this Mm -hmm. is a piece that we'll continue to follow as it develops. And thanks for the update and staying current with it, Albert. Blowout. All right. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show today. That uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can find us at blowout at huddles.com or you can send us a voicemail on our Google Voice number, which is 720 675 7098. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Bye bye.